Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 199. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan. Tyler's closet is full of mold. That's apparently a developing story that's happening. His brand new shiny first apartment. And uh, it's not brand new, but his his first. His brand new apartment. Yeah. But his closet's apparently full of mold. That's bad. But how are you, Ryan? (laughs) Uh, other than avoiding black mold, I'm doing pretty good. I got a new beer, which we were just talking about. I, it's Ascension. It's got Austin Brothers in the background, so it's messing with me. But it's delicious. So I'm if you've good. never been to Ascension, it's in Novi. Um, their food is excellent. Wait, it is? Yeah. Wait, where's it at? It's, uh, and I go by my friends in Novi. It's, oh, like, it's on Grand River. Yeah, it's like five minutes from his house. Their food is amazing, too. So yeah, go, go check out Ascension Brewery in Novi. Oh. Uh, but yeah, we've uh, we don't have mold here either, so I guess that's a that's yeah, a hey. thumbs up on this. And <laughs> black mold is no joke, man. You can get like super sick from breathing in black mold for an yeah. extended period of time. So they're gonna probably have to do a little demo to Tyler's uh, apartment. I mean, props on his. He he did, he gave me a call after he was texting us, and uh, so but props on his his uh, landlord. His landlord for, have an oh shit moment. Uh, yeah, but they were all, they're on top of it. Apparently, he's already had a contractor out there to check it out. Like this all came up in the last couple of hours, so they're they're pretty on on the ball here. It sounds like so. Hopefully, he gets this resolved pre- pretty quickly. That's good because you know Seals doesn't want him back at home so. <laughs> <laughs> as he's there doing laundry. Sorry. Yeah, we have a show tonight. There is some news. Uh, there's a game tonight. I hate these West Coast trips. Good news though. I'm old. Like the the You're later shit. these games are. I'm like, I've played, I've wrestled kids all day and I've worked all day and I've been up from the one child in the middle of the night. And the last thing I want to do, not the last thing I want to do, because I really want to do it. I would love to say I'm going to watch hockey from 1030 to fucking one in the morning. And it's just 1130 and I fall asleep. And I apparently missed a good comeback against LA. Uh, But there is a game on tonight that starts at 10 o'clock. We are continuing our West Coast trip against the Ducks. And uh, we have a return to the lineup and a possible return to the lineup. So we're going to start with Tyler Bertuzzi. So Tyler Bertuzzi is returning to the lineup tonight after missing a ton of games. He's only played two games this season. But uh, one of the things we've been missing recently, and last time we talked, we were on a three-game win streak. We were feeling good. And now we're on a three-game losing streak. And we're feeling Bad, not bad. I mean, bad, but not bad. The game. How the turntables? Yeah. Oh, how the turntables, as Michael Scott would say. But it there's there's hope. It wasn't as big of a bashing against LA as it probably could have been. 
but it was not good. So I think there's there's some ground to be made up, and Tyler Bertuzzi is going to help make up that ground, hopefully, because you get your offensive threat, one of your bigger offensive threats back. We've been talking about missing part of your top six for the last however many games. One of your best all-around threats, to be honest. Yeah, you're getting the guy that's going to go try to win you puck battles. You're getting a grittier player that's not afraid to mix it up or block shots. So that got him in this situation in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so maybe less blocking shots with your wrist. Try to block them somewhere that has more padding. But you're also getting a guy that's going to help on your power play. That's going to help on your penalty kill, improve those special teams numbers. So Tyler Bertuzzi is a big add back to the lineup. And I mean, especially when you're on this West Coast trip where you're not feeling great because you're a little jet lagged and you're you're having to play in, in your weird times and you're not used to being up that late. So I, I think it's going to help. Now, how much it helps, I don't know. Because Jonathan Bergeron is also in. I'm sorry. Is it Jonathan Bergeron or is it Jonathan Bergeron? I don't know at this point. So I thought it was Jonathan Bergeron up I until the last, what, two games where his Ken Daniels games. has been saying, but has Jonathan Jonathan Bergeron. Bergeron, like bear with a grin. We need Lars. We need Lars. I'm sorry, Lars. Yes, we need, we need Lars on here to just go through. We need we need to get a recording, which he's he's got his pod. We should probably just go and listen to him and get snippets of him saying it. And every time we need to say one of their names, we just Paste input it over. his voice. <laughs> like a drop. I hit a button. It just yeah. says the player's name. Um, but back to Tyler Bertuzzi. So I guess what do we want out of Tyler Bertuzzi in his return? Because I think that you're going to go in expecting Tyler Bertuzzi to light it up. But again, he's recovering from a fracture so he's probably going to be a little more careful but i mean could you expect i mean do you expect goals out of the gate like him to come in and hit the ground running because according to max he's back on the top line tonight uh i mean for to put it simply yeah because they those first two games with him there granted it was a montreal and new jersey team that were just off to a terrible start but they put up eight goals in those games that he was a part of and since then, they've been out. They had an out eight two differential in those first two games. And since then, they've been outscored forty eight to thirty six. And they're playing five hundred hockey without Bertuzzi in the lineup. So whether or not he's scoring those goals, I think he only had what two points in those games, anyways. But he's helped. He helps drive play, and they need that right now. They need it badly. I mean, you could argue that some guys are doing that. Larkin, Kubalik, Raymond's finally kicked it in the last several games after we talked about it. Um, Certain players that you're expecting, Peron, I'm not trying to name, go through everybody, but Bergeron, we've seen him come in and he's already starting to make an impact. He had an assist out there with Alino. When he's on the ice, he's impactful and you notice him offensively, which is what we were hoping for. You need that from Bert. And if he's out there with Larkin and Raymond, watch out because that is when I go back and look at last season. Hold on. Let me click over here real quick. In all situations, Larkin, Burt, and Raymond, this is 5-5 five, five, power play, what have you. Their, their course U4 is a 60.14. Yeah, they're just, they, they dominate the puck. drive play. Yeah, uh, Bertuzzi's Corsi on the season right now uh, in the two games he's played, which isn't a sample size at all, 27 total minutes of play, but 59.3, which is 59% of the time He's on the ice. The Red Wings are controlling the puck. Now, when you put him with Larkin 
and you put them with Raymond, their line percentage also goes up. Now, is that even strength or is that all situations? The one that I gave, that's all. I wanted to look at all because their five on five is actually about 50. Um, but I know that they're all that group is typically together on the power play yeah. and in other situations. So that's why I wanted to expand it out to see all situations. That, that's what 59 games played together last season. And like their expected goals for um, is 44, six, seven, but their scoring chance for percentage is 61.66. They're they were outscoring their scoring chances for was four fifteen to two fifty eight against last season when they were on the ice together. So they're holding their opponent in the, their defensive zone. It's a dominant top line is what it is. Now that was, with them together at the beginning of this season, that's with Raymond not, not warmed up. I mean, right now, Raymond's on a heater. Larkin's been on a heater all season. You put Burt back in, I mean, again, at points last season, they were one of the top, top lines in hockey. They were in the conversation pretty frequently. They could be in that again because Bertuzzi's a good setup guy. Bertuzzi can score. Larkin's a good setup guy. Larkin can score. Raymond's a good set. You've got everyone on that top line can both be a setup guy and a goal scorer. And at times we did maybe thought, well, maybe Larkin's more of an assist guy. Larkin can snipe the puck. And a lot of people say, well, he relies on his speed to do it. Not really. I mean, I've seen Larkin at a standstill walk in and snipe the puck. So it's, it'll be a really good top line, but then it also lets you slide guys down. So right now, according to Max, now this was yesterday. Max Boltman had the second line of Kubalik Cop and Sunquist that threw me off a little bit. I Peron was slid down to the third, so your third is Berger Valeno and Peron, and your fourth is Suter, Rasmussen, and Ernie. And I mean, I I don't love Sonny on the second line. I mean, that's a big body, so maybe that's what you're trying to do is is put a big body up on the second. But yeah, that's that almost turns into like the modern day Holmstrom with with him with Kubalik and Cop there. You got your two skilled guys, and then the dude that just goes and blows people up in front of the net. Now, again, that could also be spreading out your offense. Perron is, he's hot and cold, but if he's been a little colder recently, you got to expect him to maybe get hotter again. And you put him with, again, a great setup guy like Berggren, and maybe you get Perron going again. So you're spreading out your and offense. Galeno for that matter, because he's been flying all over the ice, offensively and defensively. And it finally paid off with a beautiful goal after that setup from Berggren. So now you're not only opening up those two for potential opportunity, Bergeron and, per- and Valeno with Perron on, on their line. Now you're open up Bergeron because Perron's probably going to get some extra attention while he's out there. And that might open up another opportunity for Bergeron to finally get that first goal. So adding Bertuzzi in, as you can tell from our just rampant excitement, uh, it adds more offensive. It's let you slide other offensive threats down the lineup. It's getting that depth back that we were talking. We were so happy about. You have a more complete team is what ends up happening. Now, we saw what even a team with Bertuzzi and Verana out could do. They can win games. If they try, they and can against win good teams. Games. Good, yeah, against good teams too. Now, the Ducks are ass this season, but against good teams, they can win. They've already demolished the Ducks already this season. Now, another piece that is a possible return can also help a lot, and Jake Wallman is with the team, and in Max's lines as of yesterday's practice, your third pairing was Wallman and Osterley. Now, Osterley, I would say last game did better than Gustav Lindstrom. 
when he was in in place of Gustav Lindstrom because it was Osterley and Haig. But Wallman is going to be a boost to the defensive side of the puck. He's going to chip it offensively, and you can't do worse than Robert Haig was doing. No, I mean, Wallman, what I liked about him in the short tenure he had at the end of the season last year, he can skate. And that is going to be huge because we see when this team can actually use their speed. Like, and we've talked about this, really, any team, you, when they're able to use your speed and use it effectively, you're dynamic, you're dangerous. Wallman helps bring that to your third pair. And the third pair, to be quite honest, for most of this year has just been shit. So is Osterley and him as the combo, the ideal scenario? No, but it can't be any worse than what we've had. And I'm not trying to say it's been the worst possible thing ever, but you need, you need more than just what your top four has been providing for you to this point. And that's not even a really a glaring like recommendation of how well they've been playing because as a whole, the defense hasn't really been that great. So it's, well, it's something to keep an eye on how, if he's actually in there tonight, because if he is, that's exciting because there's a lot of renewed speed. Now got to temper that a little bit because we see how it took, how long it took cop to get up to speed, how long it took um, Larkin, like we were talking about last season, a couple of these guys, when they're coming in off that injury, it's going to take them about eight to 10 games before they really had their legs under them. So thankfully he can get sheltered on that third line, but it's, it's fun to think that he's going to come out there and he'll likely make an impact because when he gets the puck on his, on his stick, he's throwing it at the net and things can get crazy very quickly when that happens. Now I would like to see Jake Wallman pick up his, um, his possession numbers a little more. Last season in 19 games played, his Corsi 4 was a 46.7. In all situations, his Fenwick was a 45.9. And his on-ice safe percentage, though, kind of makes up for that at a 91.1, which means when he's on the ice, that uh, 91.1% of shots are saved. And as that's opposed to Robert Haig, when he's been on the ice this season so far, his on-ice safe percentage is an 89.3. His Corsi 4 is a 35.9. So, I mean, it's a, a clear upgrade, and that's 12 games this season that Haig has played. And I think Haig was kind of picked up as a filler when they realized that Pissick went down with his, his injury and needed the surgery. But I think that is when you can sit a guy like Haig and put, put in a guy like Wallman, that's a clear upgrade. And defense has, it, it's either really, really good or it's really, really bad. That's been the story of the season. Like Cider has had some bad nights. Yep. Ben Sherat, for as effective as he's been, has had bad nights. Philip Peronic is either the MVP or the LVP, the least valuable player, uh, depending on the night. I mean, the first two goals that the Kings scored, I could say, are a direct result of Philip Peronic making the wrong play. So it's. Wallman is can't hurt. I guess that's the thing is he can't hurt from what's already been happening. Yeah. I mean, and the cider one, like there's been just the most obvious, what are you doing moments this season? And I, I like Max's article. I think it was today or yesterday. Uh, just talking was it about the fact, factor fiction article, the factor fiction where he's trying to make the wow play, which he really is when you, when you think about it. I mean, do you think the other night where he had a simple opportunity to clear the puck on the penalty kill? I think he was trying to play it up to Sunquist, and it was behind Sunquist. Went off his stick, went right to the opposing player, and they scored a goal. Right he should have just that. cleared the puck. Could have just got the puck down the ice and just make the simple play rather than try to be fancy, if you will. 
which in essence, the pass wasn't fancy, but the thought of the play, that was where it screwed him, where just keep it simple and just go with it. And I think that's been maybe his crutch this season is that instead of just trying to get the puck out or he's trying to make that extra play to someone that's nearby. And it's almost, it is, it's not almost, it is actually putting them in a terrible situation because there's a defender typically right there on them to pinch it back in. It's forcing a turnover, giving them extra zone time, screwing up the line changes. So hopefully Moving forward, I mean, it's it's obvious that they're having those conversations with him. He, I know he's going to see it. He's an elite level talent. Yep. So, granted, are, is it anything to be worried about? No. Max put it perfectly. We're, what, 15, 17 games into the season? It, we, there's nothing to be overly concerned about what is happening from him at this point. All Mo needs to do is take a deep breath and simplify his game a little bit. And he'll be absolutely fine. Like you said, there's no reason to worry because we've seen what he can do. I mean, in his in his rookie season, he was arguably a top 10 defenseman in the league. And that talent just doesn't go away. I mean, you don't see many people come in and be absolutely amazing and then fail for the rest of their career, or at least not many. But you right. do see guys come in and be absolutely amazing, like a Dominic Kubelik. Uh, start with a fall, like a failing team. And then the next two years be garbage and then come back and still be over point per game pace, which is very impressive. Uh, according to him, he doesn't even know how it's happening, but it's it's something that's again, it's helping. So that's Jake Wallman again is going to be a good ad if he is in fact back. He is on the road trip. And then all we'll have to get back is Mark Pissick, who I believe is closer to around mid uh, January. Same with Robbie Fabry. They should both be in January. And when you get Robbie Fabry back, then you have some decisions to make because then all your depth is back and you've got lines are going to be, you want to, you want to see a line blender. Uh, Lalon's uh, Lalon. Lalone is going to have a lot to play with. Yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens once all of your forwards are back because at that point they're fighting for spots. Yeah. Cause that, at, at that stage, you're, you're starting to think about what is, has Bergeron done up to this point? Bergeron. You're Sorry. starting to think of who are we sending to Grand Rapids? Yeah, who's getting sent down? Because you've got Berggren, you've got Soderblom, who's currently out day-to-day. We haven't even talked about him in this whole conversation thus far. Um, so you've got those two. You've got Joe Valino. There's a couple of guys that you can just be like, hey, sorry, just financial move. That's just the way things are going to have to be. But then you have to look at it in the sense of what about his suitor? What about Adam Ernie? Like they've played, they're playing their roles the way they need to. And it's hard to justify, you know, giving them a cut or the sort. Um, oh, and there it is. The Red Wings have officially activated Tyler Bertuzzi from IR. Oh. And additionally, Detroit has placed Elmer Sodablom on IR retroactive to 11 8. Which is fine. I mean, if he's hurt, let him heal up. And like you said, Bergen is in now. And, and, to your point of maybe he's one you send down, I I would have a very hard time doing that. Uh, if, if he keeps doing what he's doing, yeah, absolutely. Because he's going to get better. In his limited sample size of two games, his Corsi is at a 59.6. His time on ice, he's had 29 minutes and eight uh, seconds of ice time. But the thing that's kind of really impressive about what he's done, in that 8-2 to loss against the Rangers, 
that fourth line, I believe, was all a plus one. They were not on the ice when the when a goal was scored. And he's shifty. I mean, you can see how smart he is. You can see his playmaking ability. You can see his puck retrieval. And again, and I'll say flashes of Pavel Datsuk because there has been. Still stick with Sure. But it's the the movement on him and he's quick to make decisions and he has good passing. And uh, you can see that in the fact that he's moving up the lineup. I mean, he started on the fourth line and now he's up on the third with Valeno and Perron. And he's very good with Joe Valeno because he's familiar. with him. He played with yep. Valeno in Grand Rapids. And right on cue, Max also tweeted out, in addition to Burt, Jake Wallman is also in tonight for Detroit. See, there you go. So we're, we're going to have a good time, hopefully. And I mean, the game will be over by the time you're listening to this. And we may be wrong. And I mean, we've been <laughs> wrong before. But I will take a third line of Berger and Valeno. I'm just going to switch between Berger and Berger because I don't Tell know. Which one's let's just stick to Burgers. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Burgers, Valeno, and Perron. I don't like JB. It reminds no. me of like a high school, like a 90s high school nickname. But I will take that third line because you've got a scorer on there. You've got a playmaker on there. And then you've got wheels in Valeno. So who has been decent this season? And all guys are pretty well defensive minded as well on top of it. Yeah. And then your third line in Suter, Rasmussen, and Ernie is again with the way fourth. Ernie's been playing is our fourth line. The way Ernie's been playing, that should be a solid fourth line. So you don't really have at this point right now, you don't have many holes, which is good. Zarnik and Haig are the odd men out tonight. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Zarnik was playing with Valeno and Berger. Mm-hmm. He wasn't playing bad. I was no. I was impressed with how he handled things. The same way with Matt Luff. They came in and did exactly what you would have hoped, and probably more for that matter. Well, they I both mean, have NHL experience. Well, yeah, but I'm saying they, they came in and they fit, they met the role that they were there to do and scored goals on top of it, so... Yeah, so I like it. I'll take it. The lineup, like again, from top to bottom that is supposed to be tonight. Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond, Kubelik, Kopp, Sunquist, Berger, Valeno, Perron, Suda, Rasmussen, Ernie, and then your defensive pairings of Schrott and Sider, which I wonder how long before they maybe try and break that one up. Uh, Mata and Hironic, Wallman and Osterley, and that's your extras in Robert Haig and Mark Pizik. And I wonder how long before they maybe try and put Oli Mata with Mo Sider. I was just thinking Mata and Sherat switching those two up, how that would go. I feel like it wouldn't actually hurt you. No, it actually might help you because Sherat is still not the best defensively, but he's like we said, he's good at clearing people out. He's good at getting people out of the way or knocking people off play. Yeah, but see, to that point, though, it almost scares me to put him with Ronick. I I can see it, but Mata, I... I don't struggle to say that Oli Mata has been your best defenseman this season so far. I mean, most consistent. I think so. Yeah. And putting up points, making smart defensive plays. And I think that he could also be a solid pairing for Cider because when, when he was signed, he came in and we're like, Oh, Mata's a good depth defenseman. You could put him on your second or third pair. We maybe thought that Edvinson would fill in the second and Mata would be on the third. And as this season has gone on, he's proved that he, that LA had either a misused him or B he wasn't, he wasn't happy there doing what he was doing. And he comes here and he's just turned it around. So I think that if you paired him with cider, I, I, I think it could maybe give cider a little confidence boost because 
maybe part of the reason Sider is trying to overperform is because he feels like he has to. Like I said, I mean, we're 15 games in. Is it, We don't need to push the panic button, but you would think that to what you said, it wouldn't have to be a worry or anything of that nature because you've got a simple playmaking defenseman like with Sherrod back there where he's your stay-at-home guy, like go do what you got to do, but you don't have to overexert yourself or put yourself in a situation that's going to fuck your team over, which unfortunately we've seen several times so far to this point. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just maybe in, in Lalone must not be worried about it because I think Heronic is getting some of the biggest minutes for like all defensemen, which worries me slightly uh, depending on how he's playing. But I, I might try and shake it up for one or two games, maybe against some lesser level opponents to see how it goes. Cause I want to get cider, not to say that cider has been bad, but cider has, has played under his ability so far. Yeah. And, I, and I wonder if just changing his defensive partner for a couple games might might give him a little bit of a boost. Yeah, I mean, you think about it too. They're typically out there against the top pairs for the other team. So I don't know. It, it, it can go either way. I'm, I'm torn on it because it's weird because you think about Hronik and Mata, they, they've been your top scoring defenseman on, on that second pairing. And Mata has done it without power play time. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against a switch. I, st- I can still see it not happening, but either way, definitely would like to see more, but I'm not to the point of, and I probably won't ever be this season with, with him of, Oh shit. What are you doing out there? Mo? Yeah. I have enough faith in Mo to make the correct decisions or to turn his game around because he has shown he can do it, but he is 21. Yeah. But he, again, yeah, he's still young and he's still learning and it's, other teams have gotten a read on him last season. And that's what happens sometimes. That's why some players slump in their second year because other teams know how to react to them. They've watched, they've got tape now. They've got actual NHL. Here's tape. a sneaky good stat for you. When looking at the uh, the regular season stats to this point on the team, he leads the team with block shots at 35. Okay. I mean, that's good. Mata's got 30, Sherat 24, and then Raz with 18. Uh, but back to, back to Berger and what, I guess the question is then when all these guys come back the way he's played now, he's got to do it a little more. You got to see a little bit more than two games out of them. But who are you sending back down at this point? And I guess my I'll start with mine. Elmer Soderblom can go back and work on defense in Grand Rapids. I think that's the big thing is that he has shown he's got hands. He's shown he can play in tight. He's shown he can make passes. But he for as big as he is, he's been bumped off the puck. For as big as he is, even though he's got the reach and can protect, I think he needs to do it a little bit better. He needs to learn how to use his body and stick at the same time, I think, because it seems like he's doing one or the other. He really relies on just that big reach to try to knock the puck loose, Where, which in Sweden, that was probably working great, but it has not translated well here. So now, I'm not saying it hasn't. like It's not every single time it fails, but more often than not, it hasn't worked out in his favor or it's led to a board battle that he hasn't necessarily won. Yeah, I think he needs to watch a lot of Zetterberg tape and figure out how to use the stick and the arm at the same time because Zetterberg was really good at the puck protection. But yeah. I think that's that's probably your play there is that when when everyone is healthy and you've got to make some decisions, 
you've got to probably send Soderblom down to the AHL to develop a little bit more for his defensive game. Now, that's not saying it's bad, but he's shown he can play at the NHL level. He's very close, and some refining in the AHL is not a bad thing. Like we had said with Edmondson, Edmondson's still down there. Edmondson had been playing great, and it's a matter of time before another defensive. He's been scratched on several occasions recently. I think he's been hurt. Has he been? Or has he been healthy scratched? I haven't, I haven't actually seen one way or the other. He hadn't been bad, so I don't think they would have healthy scratched him. I'd have to double check. But I think that he's probably, when another defensive injury happens, a, a decent one, they were waiting for a longer-term injury to happen to bring up Berger because they didn't want him to play two games and then get yo-yoed back down to Grand Rapids. So... We'll see what happens there, but I think he's probably your odd man out because at this point, I can't send Joe Valeno back down either. No, but I mean, it's the biggest thing with Valeno. If you've got him on center, he's got to get better there. He has been garbage in the faceoff dot. So, I mean, really, you could argue the team as a, as a whole has been garbage there, but he needs to be better in terms of winning draws because more often than not, I feel like the team is behind the eight ball. Like see on hockey reference, he's showing at 30.3%. That ain't good. Need that needs to change. Yeah. And again, that is something that can be worked on. Or you move Valeno to the wing and put Suter back at center. Yeah, I, I, you could. I mean, Suter's not much better right now at 43%. So but again, you said it's the whole team. And that's been an issue. Like we talked about it, I think, last week, where the team's not winning faceoffs. They're not winning faceoffs on the power play. And it's resulting in loss of possession in 20 minutes off the or 20 seconds off the clock. Yeah. I, I like the point that Max made in his his one article. Um, do you try Sonny back in there? Because he's played it before. He gives you that right hand element that they're currently lacking. He's big. He's a big body. I, I mean, he's Right now in his limited draws, 13 draws, he's at 61.5%. So it's something it's something you could potentially think about. Uh, I mean, but other than that, I mean you get Larkin at 52.7, Suter's at a 43, Andrew Cops at a 41, and Raz is at a 44. Like it's just not been good. And what the, the, what's killing them with that is that means now they're immediately chasing the puck. And more often than not, when that's happened in their defensive zone they're immediately behind the eight ball and they need, that's what needs to be fixed. And it's killing their power play on at times when they're losing those draws. So a lot of things in terms of face-offs that's hurting them as, as a whole. Yeah. So that's, I mean, if I was alone and I'm not, I don't get paid money to do that. I would just be doing an entire day of face-off practice because that's, it, it's going to help. Now these face-offs are not the end all be all. They're just a piece of the puzzle, but they're a piece that's kind of, hemming you in a little bit here. So uh, Andrew Kopp's gotten better though, as time's gone on with the face. Now he's gotten better in his game overall as time's gone on because he's getting healthier, but that's just something that they need to work on. Uh, again, I, I would say that Marco Casper, who is absolutely destroying it in Rogla right now with 10 points in 16 games, he beat someone's ass today. That was cool. Uh, but he is also, uh, he got in a scrum. He was oh, not okay. happy. Uh, but he is not a right-hander, so that's not going to help your face-off issue at all. Now, it's going to help your center depth because he's been fantastic, but it's not going to to help your face-off percentage at all. Um, but if we want to talk more about international stuff, uh, do we want to hit Slavkovsky being an asshole first, or do we want to do World Cup of Hockey? 
Let's do Slavkovsky because apparently he's a tone deaf, big dumb animal. So yeah, so I'm gonna use one of my swears for the episode, but Yuri uh, Slavkovsky can go fuck himself. He put Matt Luff out for ten to twelve weeks with an extremely dirty cross check uh, and, and right into the boards. If you have seen my recap of the player safety video where I dubbed over it because George Peros is a giant clown, uh, it's a two-game suspension. That's so good. A two-game suspension, which I felt like it could have been a four-game suspension pretty easily. I'm officially convinced that they don't know what they're doing at all because every suspension but one, but one has been two games almost. I don't think they know what the word consistency is. There is none. There's been so many more dangerous hits out there. Slavkovsky for the prime example, in comparison to what Rasmussen, as you were just getting to Murray to mention, who was finishing the check, who didn't even have anything remotely to do. The injury was actually part of the body check. Nothing to do with the stick that they called him for a suspension on. Like, how was that two games? And then how is Slavkovsky boarding the dude and almost Chris Draper 2.0, fracturing, shattering, was it his wrist? And almost restructuring his face. Like, come on. My issue, my other issue, though, too, is so you give him two games for that. The same you gave Rasmussen for an errant high stick. And Kirill Kaprizov, like, goes off and whacks Drew Doughty in the face. And he gets a $5,000 fine. No suspension. It's just there. How? How? The, The just absolute disrespect that the Department of Players Safety, disrespect and inconsistency. You're not suspending Look at what Kachuk just fucking did again. Another one. Two games for trying to gouge an eye out. You're not suspending Kaprizov because he's a star. You're not suspending Kachuk for a long period of time because he's a star. They don't have any history. Well, Michael Rasmussen didn't have any history. So no, Kachuk's didn't have any got history. history. Oh, Kachuk does, but he's a star, right? And he's they don't suspend star players. And the problem with that is like, again, Slavkovsky today too, like he's learned his lesson. They did a whole interview with him where he's like, oh, he only had his, he turned right when I tried hitting him. No, you saw his numbers for a clear five seconds before you threw your body into him. There was no turning last second. It was that way the whole, was he, he was trying to play a puck at his feet and he just didn't stop. Yeah. And it was the, the shitting grin he had on his face the entire time he was being asked questions. He's going to go out and do it again and he'll get no repercussions for it. And that's the problem. Like Peros, I don't know how you fire the head of the department of player safety, but the malfeasance that has happened like over the past five years, however long Peros has been in charge of the department of player safety, it is one of the worst and most inconsistent units in the NHL. And from top to bottom, I think it needs to be completely redone because I'm going to keep dubbing over these suspension videos and tweeting them directly at the NHL until so good because it's so I mean, it's just the hypocrisy is astounding and have a cease and desist in a week. I and I'll just keep doing it. What are they going to do? Like the problem is then get your shit together, like pack up the clown makeup, George Peros and go home. Like, give the job to someone. And that's what happens when you put a goon in charge of the Department of Player Safety. Why don't you have a Lady Bing winner as your Department of Player Safety guy? Sure. Why don't you have someone who fucking gives a shit? Because it's clearly not him. That too. And to just spin the punishment wheel and whatever it lands on, that's what you're handing out. It's not going... The, the point of it is to teach players that 
this thing that this guy did is unacceptable. And this is what is going to happen if you do it. But the problem is, right now, it's what this guy did is it's slightly unacceptable, but you're a better player than him. So if you do it, nothing's going to happen to you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So and I love how they've always been like, if there's an injury, we'll take, we'll put in an extra, that'll be extra precedence toward it. Mm, okay. And uh, by the way, I did get official, but unofficial confirmation that Edvinson is apparently dealing with a lower body injury. It would appear that's not, that's not a confirmation. That's the, what we are understanding. So that is why he's been out. That's uh Ryan hashtag insider with five extra R's. That's weird. yeah. yeah. But I, I guess that in, in a lot of people are saying when we play, I think we play Montreal again in January 26th that, Oh, Giovanni Smith's going to have to be in the lineup so that Slavkovsky could, what? So Slavkovsky can body Giovanni Smith. He's like what? Five inches taller than him. Yeah, so he can go out and lose another fight and get an extra two minutes. Like, no way. I mean, someone's going to have to do something, and I'd probably rather throw someone like Sonny in there, someone bigger. I'd love to see most. I'd love to see Mo Sider kick someone's ass. I think it'd be hilarious because he can do it. But the other half of the issue, though, is that the refs will not let players take care of their own problems. They run in in two seconds and break up literally any fight that's about to happen. So if you're not going to let the players police themselves, unless you're Jamie Ben, sure. But if you're not going to let the, that's the only time Jamie Ben goes down is when he gets punched in the face. But the, if you're not going to let the players police themselves and you're not going to properly punish the players for what they do, then, then what, what are you going to do? Where's the middle ground there? There is none at this point. Like it's, it's shit or get off the pot with the NHL when it comes to fighting dirty hits, suspensions, what have you, because you, yes, you do have certain guys, like you watch a Tampa game and you got Pat Maroon out there doing Pat Maroon things, which is, I was hoping he's going to beat the shit out of Ben here a little bit ago. I don't, I haven't been watching, so I don't know if that actually did or did not happen, but you've got guys that when they try to police things, that's who they are. You, You would think it seems like they're more difficult or hard on them than the ones that are actually out there fucking people up and not, and just getting that slap on the wrist. So like, what, which one is it at this point? Either like we saw it last year, Larkin getting hit from behind everything else, multiple boarding calls that went on call. That's why we got the Stevie wise goon squad from biz out going on, like, because they're trying to police themselves, but yet then they get shit on when they try to defend themselves because there was a no call moments ahead of that, like figure it out. Yeah. And it stopped a lot of teams from responding to stuff too. Because if they know if they respond to it, they're going to get extra minutes. They're not going to let them do it anyways, because the second they all rush in, it's all, all for two linesmen and two refs run in to stop everything. So it's... And, and their review of the plays has been complete garbage at this point, too. They're blind. They don't know what they're doing. And the, the Department of Player Safety can't back them up because they don't know what they're doing either. So I think it's just a giant shit show. What Slavkovsky did was absolutely awful. He should... 100% know better than it. I don't care if English is his second language. You don't laugh through an interview like that when you put a, just put a guy out for 10 to 12 weeks saying, oh, I texted him and said sorry. Like, that doesn't help heal his now shattered wrist. So I, it just, it pissed me off a lot watching that interview. And people can say, take off your Red Wings glasses all you want. 
someone else said that Luff slipped before he was pushed. So that's the reason he got hurt. And he slipped. Yeah, apparently he slipped before he got thrown into the boards. And that's if he wouldn't have slipped, he wouldn't have gotten hurt. It's just a bunch of excuse making for something that absolutely shouldn't have happened. So they need to get their shit together. Uh, But we're going to move on to the final uh, subject of the night. And that is something I was really looking forward to. And then uh, my hopes were dashed. When when the NHL uh, announced that the World Cup of Hockey will not be happening in 2024, 2025 is now the earliest that it will be happening. So Frank Saravalli uh, put out a tweet on November 11th at 2.32 p.m. that said the NHL and NHLPA have punted on playing a World Cup of Hockey in 2024, saying, quote, current environment is not feasible to hold the tournament. 2025 is now the earliest a World Cup can be played starving hockey fans of true best-on-best international competition since 2014. That was maybe a little dramatic. Um, Then the NHL's official statement is that over the last year, the NHL and NHLPA have been working on plans to conduct the next World Cup of Hockey, the premier international best-on-best hockey tournament in February 2024. Unfortunately, in the current environment, uh, which is, quote, for Russia done fucked up, It is not feasible to hold the World Cup of Hockey at that time. We continue to plan for the next World Cup of Hockey, hopefully in February of 2025. So they're hoping for one of two things to happen. Weird timing on that, huh? Just the whole Russia thing to blow over or for Putin to get assassinated or something. That's like one of the two things they're waiting for is like a regime change or everyone to forget that Russia just decimated a country. So I I think it's a cop-out. I know Bettman doesn't want to do it anyways. He is so against international play or anything that is not an NHL game that that he will find any little excuse to to not do it. And I understand the climate not being great because of Russia, but you're not having the games in Russia. You don't have to say you don't have to trot out a team Russia. You don't have to to include them all for that matter. No, you don't. But then who are you excluding? You're excluding an Alex Ovechkin. You're excluding a lot of really talented Russian players. Now, now my suggestion is you just have a team, a team Western or a team Eastern Europe, or you have a team other or a team whatever that just includes Team Tiburon. Sure. And I asked Ryan, Ryan had texted that. And I'm like, <laughs> are you talking about the 2002 like? Madden team that it's just like wasn't it all like really really good players yeah it was like the most stacked roster you could get yeah and and I had to like I said I unlocked it through like Game Shark or something Uh, but you could do that they had Team North America that were like the younger kids and stuff so I you could totally make a team of just they're going to be they're going to be countries that don't have enough representation you're probably not going to be able to make a team Germany if you're trying to stick with all NHL players. There's like four. Britain. Well, yeah. Well, no, they didn't stick with NHL last time, did they? Oh, no, they did. That's why they were. That's why they had Team Europe. I take that back. Yeah, so you can throw in, like you could make a Team Europe and you could put Russian players in that team. This is all just screams Gary Bettman doesn't want to commit to something that's not NHL games. All about the bottom line. He's got to keep that record revenue coming in. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if they don't do it in 25 and he tries to push for 26, that 100% eliminates the Olympics, which every player 
has made it very clear they want. Yeah, which is probably why they said that uh, earliest they can do it is 2025. And they say, hopefully, in February of 2025. And you know that stuff's not going to get better by then. So then he's going to be like, oh, we can't do it in 2026. If the guys want to go to Olympics, we're not going to be able to do both. So it's just another punt it down because you don't want to do it. Because a war is not an excuse to not let everyone else play. And like you said, Ryan, you could exclude an Ovi. You could exclude the Russian players. And I'm sure they'd like some time off. That would be fine for them. Or you could include them in a team whatever that doesn't even have to mention Russia and still play the games. It's Batman again being a weasel and trying to get out of something that he said he would do. Well, just when he gets on your good graces, he goes and does something to keep it at the bottom. So, yeah, just when he turns around and tells Boston they're a bunch of bitches. And then he, now how about, <laughs> what about the Boston news? Okay, so that's World Cup of Hockey. It's not happening. I'm pissed off. The entire hockey community. I just want the Olympics, dude. Angry. I don't care about the World Cup of Hockey. Is it cool? Yeah, it brought some a lot of fun last time. It was great to see Team North America go out there and do their thing. So it was all the best young talent. Larkin was a part of it. But I want the Olympics. There is a different level of hockey when it's NHL level cap talent at the Olympics. Not to say that it wasn't fun last time to watch this past year, but it is the best of the best of their country going at it. That's what you want. And it's for so much more in terms of the Olympics. They, they all want it. Give, give it to us. Give the fans what they want. Give the players what they want. Not that fucking hard. Now, I would think that the Olympics make them even the the Olympics don't make the NHL any money. The World Cup of Hockey is hosted by the NHL. It should make them money, which is what I also hate about it. Again, I agree. Olympic hockey is the best hockey you are going to see because they're playing for their country. That is what they're doing. Gold medal is like right up there underneath the the World Cup's enjoyable when they get that thing going on. Or not not soccer, but like the the summer um, world championships when those are going on. With NHL level talent, when their their seasons end up, and they got yeah, guys going out there now. Granted, some some of the top doesn't necessarily go, but it's a lot better hockey than what we've seen recently in the Olympics. Yeah, because what we've seen in the Olympics is like rec league hockey in some cases, because you have no idea who's playing, or they're all ex NHLers who are like forty five years old, or they're several ex US players playing for China. You've also got like uh, college guys playing or guys who are just out of college that haven't signed with anyone. So, no, I I agree with you that the NHL has and I believe they all have committed to um, Olympic hockey again. But there is no guarantee that that's going to happen because you can say whatever you want. But unless it's in writing in a contract, you can just take it right back. I I think what bugs me the most about it, too, is this is some of the best talent that USA has had ever. You can argue that with Canada as well, but this is the best chance I think we're seeing slip away with team USA hockey to try to get back on that, that podium for a gold. Yeah. And, and again, if they just keep pushing it and just keep pushing it and just keep pushing it, then you're going to lose some top level players and it's just, you're going to have to move on to the next set of guys, which really sucks because it's one of the things that guys actually really love doing is playing the international play. And I mean, look at Larkin. Yeah. When's he going to be able to do it again? So you got Larkin, like Quinn Hughes, you got the Kachucks. 
like Austin Matthews. And that's a very small sliver, but to bring it up talent in the hockey right now, a lot of them are American. That's what we want to see. How great would it be to have a gold medal matchup? Your opening face-off is McDavid and Austin Matthews. Just stop. Let me go change Amazing. my let me go change my pants, Ryan. Um, but on that note, we're gonna take a quick break for a word from our sponsors before we come back and finish off tonight's episode. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check out this. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back, and we just have one more thing to go over before we close out tonight. I want to go over the next three games because at the end of the episode, we like to kind of wrap up what's coming up next. So tonight we do play the Anaheim Ducks. They are currently last in the Pacific Division. They are 4-10-1 with nine points on the season. Like I said, they are trash. Uh, We've beat them already. It doesn't matter how many Michigan goals uh, tragic zebra scores that's not going to win them games. So they may look pretty, but your team still lost. So yep. uh, that is one. Then we go to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, is, which, tonight, is tonight a must win to you? I think it is. Against the Ducks. If we get embarrassed against the Ducks, there's a big issue. Uh, so I would yeah. say tonight is a must win. And then we move on to the Sharks, which are sitting sixth. In the Pacific Division, at a record of 5-9-3 and three with 13 points on the season. Again, very winnable game. Hello, Eric Carlson, though. Yeah, Eric Carlson is having some kind of renaissance. I don't know what's happening, uh, but he is playing very, very good. He has exercised all the demons coming into this season. He's got 22 points in 17 games right now. Yeah, that's uh, if there was a someone posted a poll, it's like, who are you most impressed by this season, or who's the most shocking so far this season? Like Eric Carlson, Hampus Lindholm, and there was someone else. And like, if you answer anyone other than Eric Carlson, I don't know what hockey you've been watching for the past like four years because he's been good, but he has not been this good since the Ottawa, like mid Ottawa Senators time. Well, he's also healthy. Sure. Yeah. Well, but he's still missing a piece of his ankle, Ryan. Right. But I'm, what I'm saying is like he's played the most games he's played in a season since coming to San Jose is 56. Now, granted, there's a COVID year in there and two fucked up years really the last two seasons. But like he came in at, oh, finishing like his last season in Ottawa, he had 71 games. He came over to San Jose. He had 53, then 56 games, respectively. 2021, he had 52. Last season, he only played in 50 games. He hasn't played a full season. Has he still been putting up points throughout that? Yes, but not at this pace. Like he is off to a potential record setting pace for him in, in his personal career. Which is great. We love to see people exceed, especially Eric Carlson, who's getting up there in age. He's only, I mean, he's 32. Getting up there in age as well. I'm 32. So, I mean, I don't know. Let's much not talk about it. Okay. <laughs> And then we move on to November 19th against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are last in the Metro 
with a four, nine and one record on the season and nine points who also tonight just lost Patrick Laine for another all well, probably four weeks. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Laine is like the guy who comes in and, and you ever a guy at work where they come into work for like three days and then they're out sick for a week. Then they come back for three more days and then they're out sick for a week. I can't like, say I've dealt with that. That's Patrick Laine in the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's hurt again. So he's going to get a lot more Fortnite in, I guess, in these next few weeks Ooh. and uh, and and miss some games. But I don't know why Johnny Gaudreau chose to go to the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are at a negative 23 goal differential currently. They were even talking about that on the NHL Network earlier. They're like, the, they're a young team. There's not a whole lot going on there. Like, what was the draw? I mean, he took less money. I, I'm not saying it's not a bad city to live in. Columbus is fantastic, but... The team, man, it's Yarmo has been a roller coaster up to this point in terms of his roster management. You got to wonder how much of that was actually on Zito, who left for Florida and kind of revamped them when he got down there. So now that now they're in cap hell, but you got to think like what's kind of going on there at this point. So I don't know. If you look at the Metro and like I said, they're they're a minus 23 goal differential right now. The second worst goal differential is the Flyers at a minus six. So the the Blue Jackets are getting outscored by buckets, which is absolutely insane. So like I said, the Red Wings take on the Anaheim Ducks tonight. If we win, we will be back up in a tie for second in the division with the Toronto Maple Leafs currently, who are eight, five and three. So we would have the same record through 16 games as the Leafs. We'd move up which is what we want to do. The Bruins, I don't I don't even know. I, one, I don't want to talk about them no, because them. it makes me irrationally angry, but they are 14 and two on the season. Them in freaking Vegas, man. What? I, I, I'll applaud Vegas because I would love, if we're not going to be in the playoffs, I would love Vegas just to steal a cup and just lord it over everyone oh, else. Oh, God. You wouldn't hear that. That would not be the end of it. Like, click. Columbus would probably burn. And I know a lot of you listening to this would absolutely love that. But a team that has been around only a couple of years to finally win the cup if Vegas somehow pulled it off because they're 13 and three right now. Like, holy shit. It's insane. And New Jersey's won nine straight and is 12 and three. What is happening? So these teams are going to have to come back down to earth. What they're doing is not sustainable. I mean, yeah, but that's a hell of a way to get your season going. Sure. And it builds a really good buffer. The Kings are 10 and seven. New Jersey's the fun one right now because after the loss to Detroit, like they were chaining fire Lindy. And now yeah, and Lindy you got them a couple games ago. They're out guys. there yelling, sorry, they're sorry, Lindy, like apologizing to him for the chance. Like that is the Jekyll and Hyde fan base right now. And I mean, good for him in a way, because you know, Hughes, who I thought for the longest time should have been in Detroit, but you know, lottery and stuff. Um he is becoming the leader of that team, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, are the Maple Leafs fans unburning their jerseys? Can you can you do that? Are they like salvaging the ashes, and they're psychopaths. I don't know what. To Sorry, do there. Steve. <laughs> but I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off tonight, Ryan. I would say um, final thoughts are just win, or at least get some points. We need points more than anything. Yeah, we only got one over the three game losing streak. In the game with with Montreal, so they really need to scratch away on this road trip and, and salvage something here. 
with Burt and Wallman back, you got to hope that there's going to be a little bit of an offensive jolt there, especially with Burt. And hopefully that translates over to the power play. They're effective. They're moving the puck well, creating a lot of chances. They just haven't finished. So maybe he helps get them over that hump. But TBD. So we shall see. Other than that, I mean, you can't really be too upset with where Detroit's at at this point in the year. They're 17 points, seven, five, and three. Just keep going with it. We knew that this was going to be an interesting team coming in. And at this point, you really can't be that upset. I don't think you can be about how certain games have gone. They've had a few blowouts already, which is, you know, in a way to be expected, but it's, it's been fun hockey. So I'll take it. Hopefully we get some more of that tonight. If not, you're going to be able to laugh at this here in a day or two when the episode releases. So yeah, laugh at us anyways. Yeah, that's a good point. But yep, that's all I got. Already ran 33. Oh, I do have, I take that back. I had one more thing. I won the first goal contest the other night. Nice. You got picked. I did. I got the, I got the message. I was, it was a moment. I called out uh, the Kubelik first Sweet. goal. Sweet. So you and the, Ben, Ben also called it out and you won. So you can, you can put it in Ben's face that you won. <laughs> I forgot he mentioned that. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll let you know what that little, little package comes back. As. I think it's generally a signed puck or something, which is I, cool. I, before it was a hat. I'm trying to remember what Rowan won that that time because they they send their stuff to me. It was a hat and a shirt and something else, if I remember right. Sweet. Uh, my final thoughts are going to be keep looking at our store for sales. They are going to be happening more towards Christmas. Uh, they just ran a 20 to 40. Right now, I think they're running a buy so much you get uh, so much off and free shipping. So check out our store, uh, redbubble.com. Search the grind line. There's all our designs there. Non-hockey related, I know there's a lot of video game and nerd people that listen to us and follow us. Pokemon comes out on Friday, guys. So get ready for that. It's very exciting. Neat. What are you looking at? Shut up, Ryan. I hate you. (laughs) Uh, But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'll give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting our podcast and spreading around. We like to also give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and work done. They're absolutely amazing there. We love Lynn and the staff, and they actually have stuff in stock. So get it while it's there because jersey constraints are real, guys. They're going to be happening pretty soon. Uh, if you go to Howie's Hockey Tape and use the promo code Grindline, you get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you will get 12% off your order. Also, go sub to us on YouTube and view our videos there, keep up with the content, chat with us in the community tab. Everything can be done on YouTube the same way it can be done on Twitter and everywhere else. We are also, for those of you listening that are on Mastodon, we are also on Mastodon now. Same at at Pod. In case Elon Musk uh, drives Twitter even further into the depths of the ocean, uh, that is our backup. So we are there. You can follow us there. I don't even know what that is. It's another. It's basically like a, a decentralized Twitter. It works the same way. You can use hashtags, and there's different. If, tw- if Twitter goes away, then that's one less app I have to worry about. <laughs> but if you would like to follow along on Mastodon at Grindline Pod, and if you search in any of the hashtags, hashtag LGRW, like our normal hashtag on Twitter, you can find a little bunch of the other Twitter people are on there too. So uh, that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. Hopefully your mold problem gets better, Tyler. You stay classy, Hockey Town.